our customer success team has gotten better at what they do and our account management team has been really good at the more business case side of the house and it's been super, super excellent. So in terms of winning deals and cross-selling and upsells, that specialization was is really where it started for us. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how to book more meetings with post-sale buyers that generate revenue, how to create a scalable structure that works for your teams, and how to identify that low-hanging fruit on your post-sale teams for revenue generation. To help us, we have with us Michael Tuso, Director of Revenue Performance for Chili Piper, a company which offers a suite of automated tools that help revenue teams convert more leads into qualified meetings faster. Michael, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited to be here. So we always start with a kind of off-the-wall question just for the audience to get to know you a little bit better. And and the current circumstances have allowed me to change up a little bit. So considering we're all in the new work-from-home reality, curious to know if the extra time at home has allowed you to reconnect with a passion, a hobby, pastime, or develop something new that allows you to you know express your creative side or just you know feeds those non-working hours. Yeah, so I'm a huge uh, fan of, of reinforcing uh, work with other activities. I think it helps mitigate things like stress. And I think, um, you know, particularly I noticed um, working in, in sales all of my career that when people get stressed out, they tend to abandon the things that, that they, they love, like exercise and, <laughs> and, and hobbies and things like that. And I'm like, don't abandon those things just because you're stressed out. And in fact, invest in those things. So anyway, that's sort of my philosophy. So I, you know, me and my partner have been uh, really diligent about, uh, well, I've learned how to make like 20 different types of ice cream. We started a garden. You can't see me right now. I have, I have a buzz haircut. So now I know how to do that. I've probably read uh, nine books, around nine books or so. So really doubled down on that. And kind of really committed to uh, exercise routine, travel, then cut. So I'm really doubling down on those things that I love right now, and really encouraging my team to do so as well because I think it's uh, I think it's fun and I think it's helpful and uh, kind of makes you lighten up a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. You have to have a divide between work and and self improvement. You have to have it, or you start to go crazy, especially <laughs> locked in a house. Yeah. All right. Exactly. So let's start with some context. We're talking post sales motion, right? So we've already won a deal, and now we want to expand in the account or upsell. Companies often struggle, you know, with this. But when you, you when you think about these situations, what works most effectively from your perspective, and what doesn't? What hurts those efforts? Yeah, so I'd like to sort of start with how we think about the post-sales motion a little bit. I, I've seen very frequently that companies lump the post-sales motion into one role. And we sort of started our company like that. Everything was housed under customer success. And last year, uh, our CEO heard a speaker at a conference that we were sponsoring talk about this idea of separating customer success and account management. Um, 
And it's, it's funny. So we don't do sales kickoffs or anything like that. But instead, uh, you know, and, and at the time, if we hit a major company milestone, we would fly everyone to like a, a country abroad, essentially ramped out these huge Airbnbs and basically just enjoy whatever country we were visiting. So that's what we do in lieu, lieu of SKOs. And so he heard this talk at a conference and then he comes back from the conference and we had all been working towards this big goal of trying, it was going to Ibiza was this specific one for the entire company. And that was June of last year. He goes to the conference, he comes back in July, splits the customer success and account management role. And then in August, the revenue that the account management team was basically equal to that of our entire sales team from just splitting that one role. And then we ended up going to Ibiza as an entire company because of the the efforts of the account management team in October. So the whole company went to that. So that's kind of a real story of, of what we did and how much fun we had there to give a little bit of context. And the real revenue implications were pretty profound in that sort of traditional like post-sales motion through the splitting of the role, it really created specialization. And I've heard people make the argument, well, you should only do that at big companies. You know, what's the CAC of doing everything? And there's so many expenses and things like that. And it really wasn't the case for us. Through splitting the roles, we've our customer success team has gotten better at what they do. And our account management team has been really good at the more business case side of the house. And it's been super, super excellent. So in terms of winning deals and cross-selling and upsells, that specialization was is really where it started for us. Excellent. Okay. And so when you think about dividing those roles up, completely makes sense. It's, it is a different type of focus on the account. Some companies will have a tendency to use the attempts to use the same types of uh, say prospecting approaches on both sides of that equation and I, and I'm curious is some of the material that we had before you know before we got on on the podcast you didn't feel like those same prospecting methods worked the same in this situation so I was hoping you could compare and contrast that for us yeah so the thing that I noticed was that prospecting is a necessity obviously regardless of, you know, which type of revenue role. And in my mind, for our company, that's S-D-R-A-E or A-M. And prospecting is a necessity, but prospecting should be conducted differently for each of those roles and not sort of universally. And so I would never ask an A-M to put our existing customers into a cadence and mass blast them, obviously. (laughs) So um, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but the the thing that we did was actually we went in the complete opposite direction of that. And we got really, really methodical. And the first thing that I worked with the team on in that month of July when we made the decision or or what are the specific reasons because just as like a real story they were concerned they're like you know I don't I don't know how we're going to you know get these cross sales from these really rigorous goals that's being asked of us and you know my role as director of revenue performance it, it goes a little bit beyond uh, how people define sales or revenue enablement um, I really do focus on the the, the coaching um, and training of the team there. So they're, they're asking me, you know, how do I actually do this? So we spent a ton of time first identifying what are the specific reasons that we can come up to, with to, to reach out to people? And then how do we systematically do that in an almost automated way? So I we experimented with like one or two to kind of put the training wheels on, you know, 
how can you do a 90-day health check? Like something as simple as that is an impetus to have a conversation with your prospects. And then you gain the account intelligence, which then enables you to book another meeting into account to conduct either that cross-sell or, or, or upsell. Obviously, it's really effective to do one of those types of sales at the moment or at the time of renewal as well. So we did specific trainings on that. Prior to that, these two specific people did not do call training, email reviews, like really much of that. So we really, really doubled down or like, what is the messaging we're sending out? Why are we doing it? What are the reasons we're going to do it? And how do we systematically prospect? And we sort of, I, did, I wasn't like heavy handed with it in the first month that we did this. We sort of did it almost like gamified it. Like, how are we going to do this in like a really light way? Right. And they came up with this huge document of all the reasons why they would reach out to people. It was so well thought out. And now they really use that to, to they use account intelligence plus this list to really learn about everything that's going on to an account and then really coming up with really solid reasons to reach out to them and, and, and schedule meetings to, to then cross sell and upsell. So that was a super interesting exercise for us. And, and so when you, when you think about this and you think about, okay, so an AE has sold, you know, sold us in, we're in there and now we have you know, maybe a primary initial buyer, but we're, we need to branch out. Right. So relationship is always a challenge <laughs> sometimes. Exactly. And so have you found that your customer success teams are running into people that are, uh, want to share, you know, the, the Chili Piper story inside of the organization and introduce people or do they feel neglected or maybe like you're, maybe they're like feel a little less important because you're trying to expand into it. How do you manage that delicate balance there? So we are very big believers in the concept of champion enablement and really enabling, you know, that specific person in the company who is a champion of our product and giving them, you know, everything that they need and, and being well thought out. Actually, I was um, one of the, the first sort of ch champions on the customer side. I purchased the product before I actually worked here. Um, <laughs> so I have direct experience with that, like myself as a, as a manager at a previous company. So I sort of know how that actually feels to be enabled. But part of, be, part of champion enablement is also not relying on one champion. I mean, you know, I talk about this a lot. The average, the average tenure of a VP of sales these days at a startup is about 19 months. So right. if you have something with that high of a turnover and you only have one contact in, in an account, well, it, it's going to be hard, harder for that to be sticky because who's going to go to bat for you? Who's going to be your contact when that person leaves? So part of the stickiness is getting multiple teams to use your account. So you maybe you don't get the the maybe you just get sell into one product and one account on the account executive side when they close the deal. But maybe early on, you know, we we have data that shows us that the earlier on we can get into different departments, the more successful it is. We we know things like customer success's ability to get account health up really high really early and and their team trained and enabled as far as like our customers also affects our ability to cross sell and upsell so it's really this idea of thinking of revenue holistically and how it feeds into this am process because everyone is you know working towards the same goal of maximizing revenue and each team affects that so so we, I, I sort of view it as more like a puzzle piece than, than maybe a negative thing. So, so that's just kind of my thing. But we're really, really big on champion enablement. 
Yeah, it makes sense, right? We want to provide value. If you provide value to somebody and make them look, you know, successful, then then there's a, a relationship and a trust there that there uh, that they can bring you further inside of the organization. So completely makes sense. So think about it from a coaching perspective. How do you differ your coaching approaches with the AEs versus say customer success in the post sales side? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so the AE motion um, just institutionally is an older motion in our company. I also think like as in the sales world as a whole, from my experience, I think it's more well understood in terms of both the SDR and the account executive role. So we actually do weekly trainings where all three teams are present. So we train all of them on concepts that will help enable them. So we may present on one that we did recently was on a couple of different books. Actually, one of the first trainings we did, I actually had the account management team lead it. And they presented on the book, Never Split the Difference. I'm a huge fan of that. So we do our group trainings together. But then in the coaching sessions, that is really focused on that specific individual. We also do small group coaching. So that specific individual or that specific team. And how they differ from... How those sessions differ from the uh, sales team is very simple. The sales team is always sort of going for that net new revenue, whereas there's a few different factors uh, at play. For example, in the past few months with sort of everything going on in the world, the account management role sort of changed. It went from a role that was aggressively going after cross-sells and upsells to really, really focusing on renewal, customer retention, and helping our buyers so that it will then help our customer retention over time, which is still a business goal of theirs, but it sort of like shifted. So a big focus of, of our trainings immediately shifted, or, you know, how, how do we use tactical empathy right now in order to retain our customers, make sure that they're happy and kind of we're understanding of everything um, that we're they're going to. And if we have the ability to cross sell and upsell, maybe in non-affected industries, we'll make that a focus too. But right now we really want to do the right thing by our existing customers. So the focus changed a little bit. So that's like one example of how it might be different. The AEs, we focus more on targeting non-affected industries, net new business there. And so so that differed, differed slightly in uh, just a, a most recent example. Excellent. All right. So let's pivot here a little bit and talk about Chili Piper. So the audience knows, uh, tell us, you know, what, what does the company do and, and, you know, what's your view on how successful you, you've been to this point and, and what the future holds? Yeah, absolutely. So we're most known for scheduling. That's uh, how we were born. So when a lead comes through, through your website, uh, most of the time, um, people sort of have antiquated processes in place, like an SLA, when the data shows if you don't reach out to someone within the first five minutes, your ability to convert it goes down by 88%. So Chili Piper schedules and routes the, the meeting to the right individual. It also qualifies it in real time. So it takes literally like seconds to do those processes that normally take hours or days. And we know that it's so important to, to capture that moment of intent when a buyer is like searching. So we're most known for that sort of scheduling process at the time of form fill, scheduling, qualifying, and routing. Most recently, we have developed a, a tool that allows for coaching and account intelligence based out of your email. 
So if you think of the sort of collaborative function of um, like Google Drive plus your email inbox and sort of combining those two technologies, uh, it's similar to that. So that's something that we're actually right in the middle of launching right now. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Expanding the product base. Love it. So when when you look at kind of the current environment, right, <laughs> and then things, the way things have changed, has it impacted kind of Chili Piper's top line business objective or, or your, you know, the way that you're being tasked inside of the organization? Just like to give the audience some perspective on how people are, are being affected and responding to the current environment. Fortunately, as far as our, our our different teams, our SDR team, for example, has the past few months have been some of the best months that they've ever had. A lot of that was um, some in investment that team had done, and in the way that they're targeting and thinking about thinking about the way that they're they're prospecting. As far as a, a company, uh, the the sales the sales team is also doing very well. Account management probably pivoted a little bit more than any of the teams in terms of really trying to be there for their customers and focus on retention. So that changed a little bit for them. We're already on the upswing with that, though. As far as the company as a whole, it's really been a philosophical pillar for everyone in the company that people can sort of act irrationally in times of like fear and uncertainty. The philosophy of our company right now is doubling down on learning and doubling down on investing in our people and our products because eventually there'll be a day when, you know, sort of things are are more back to normal. You know, a report was released yesterday in the SaaS space that hiring shrunk really fast when all of this went down. But uh, we're starting to see data come through that is very positive in terms of job openings and, and things like that. So things are up on the upswing. And in this whole process, we've doubled down on two things, and that's investing in our people and processes and really retraining, re-enabling, and, and, and focusing on learning for, our, for everyone in the company as a whole. Yeah, and that's like I mean, it's a great move, right? It, those of us that that remember, we've you know, I I don't want to make myself seem older than I am, but, but you know, lived through nine eleven and then two thousand and eight, and now yeah. there's this, and they're all different, and there and there's there's yeah. you know people that are impacted, unfortunately, and then there are companies that have you know that opportunity to invest, and those if we look back historically, those that have invested in their people and products have come out on the other side significantly in better shape. So great to hear that that's going on over there. What are some of the challenges that you, that you wrestle with from an enablement perspective uh, in terms of you know, the teams itself, things, things that you're kind of trying to deal with right now as you focus on getting towards hitting whatever the, the year-end goals are? Yeah, it, it's been um, a little bit of a, of a recalibration in terms of Challenges for the team has uh, sort of been more so around uh, go to market with a new product. Anytime you anytime you do that, you have to really think that through. So historically, with our account management team, for example, we have had the same scheduling products that we've been cross-selling, upselling, and renewing through the introduction of a completely new email tool. It's a totally different tool with a ton of potential. So um, our team has been using it for, for months. Um, I've been using it as a way of coaching the team, but the teams themselves have been using it to collaborate, close deals, to gain account intelligence, things like that. And so I think that figuring that piece out of going to market with a new product is always a pretty big deal. So that's super top of mind for all of us right now. 
Love it. Love it. Thank you for, for sharing that insight. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first, cool. simply as a director of inside of an organization, that makes you dun, 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 a prospect for many people. And I'm always curious to understand if somebody doesn't have a trusted referral into you, like a trusted reference in what works for you to capture your attention and earn the right to 13, 15, 20 minutes on your calendar? Yeah. So the first thing that's like an immediate sort of no go for me, it used to be really normal to ask for 15 minutes in sort of these, these CTAs that are maybe not adding like a ton to the prospect on the receiving side. We used to be able to get away with that. And, you know, I use it as a person, as a salesperson too. I've really trained the team to get away from CTAs like that into more softer approaches. Yeah. So that, that's sort of the first kind of visceral reaction to that is so many of them are really kind of aggressive CTAs. The second thing I would say is like, don't be so eager to jump to the, the product. Like, have a conversation with people, lighten it up a little bit. You know, people are incentivized on goals and that sort of hard numbers and quotas, but you have to slow down your, your process a little bit. So, you know, I get so many emails that, Hey, you know, I saw that you're the director of revenue performance. What XYZ company does is blank. Like don't, that, that makes me want to delete the email. So I also tell the team to, to not do that. And it's a difference in, telling them not to do it and getting them to feel why that is not a good experience for the prospect. So every single one of those emails that I get, whether good or bad, I send them over Slack to the entire team and I ask them to analyze it. Right. And then instead of, instead of uh, just critically uh, thinking about it, I want the, the behavior to be reinforced. So I ask them to kind of respond as if they were the prospect and what they would do differently. So those are the kind of two things top of mind. Yeah, and that's a great. Is every anytime I get a really bad prospecting email, I, I forward it back to the CEO of the company and just say, "Hey, if you want help fixing this, give me a call." <laughs> because this is this is not. This is not I'm not going to talk to your rep, but but <laughs> but you should, let's have a conversation. I can help you fix this. All right, yeah. last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or, or professional services people, one piece of advice you could give them that you believe would help them hit their targets, what would it be? why? So I've been very big on the concept of really focusing on showing people how to do things. So like, very frequently, I go into companies and talk to companies, and they're just figure, focusing on the what So they're focusing on like, what activity metrics, what's your talk right. time, like these very antiquated type of, of metrics. Now people need the execution and follow through. And that's really a firm understanding of like, how and why things are happening. So showing the reps how to actually do something, like getting the practice in. Like, you know, I've never met someone who did a perfect objection handle after getting a brand new objection they haven't dealt with before. Those things take practice. (laughs) So first show them how to do it and then manage that behavior into existence and then move on to the next thing. Um, So I think that like sales management in all, all of these roles that I'm talking about is really missing that right now. It's just a fundamental awareness of why are we doing the things that we're doing, the way that we're doing them. And then how do I actually show my team how to do it? And that for me is like the biggest part of enabling your team to be successful. Yeah. Love it. I could not agree more. Could not agree more. Perfect. Michael, if a listener's interested in talking more about these topics we touched on today, or, um, you know, want to get in touch, where, where should we send them? Where, where would you like us to send them? 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'm super responsive on LinkedIn. You can just search me, Michael Tuso. Uh, that's the easiest way to to find me, and I'd be more than happy to to connect with anybody listening. Excellent, Mike. I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on the show today. It's been great. Love to hear the perspectives. Thank you for sharing everything. Yeah, it's been fun. Thank you so much. I was excited to talk to you. <laughs> All right, everybody that does it for this episode, you know the drill. B2Brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.